sometimes we look back on our life. I'll be honest with you. I look back on my life and I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed of the fact that, you know, um, I would, you know, just drink so much that I would literally uh, pass out. And my friends used to have to throw me in the back of the truck, you know, because they didn't know what to do with me, man. Or I would drink so much. I would literally, you know, not eat. So that way, when I drank, I'd get really drunk. And then I would, you know, go to the party. And somehow after the party, I would drive home. I don't know how in the world I got home like that. I don't know how I made it alive. I don't know how I didn't kill somebody or maybe myself. And I look back at my life and I think of all the girls that I hurt because I didn't care about them. I didn't understand what you know the right thing was to do. I, I look back on my life and just my profanity, the way that, you know how, I don't know if any of you guys are like this before you're a Christian, but did you ever use the F word? before you were a Christian, some of you guys. And and it's weird, man, because you didn't think about it. It just came out like all the time. And you're like, man, why is it just flooded with these profanities? And and the reason is because, man, in our BC days, I remember, uh, and again, not relishing these things, not reliving these things, but I want to share with you guys these things. In those days, and they probably still have it today, they had what's called nitrous oxide, and so they would put it in a tank. And these is, nitrous oxide is for, for like cars. You're supposed to use it, you know, to give speed to these cars. But I would go and we would get around a tank and we would suck the air and we would pass out. And we just did this over and over and over again. I think there's a, uh, there was a solid 10 years of my life that was devoted to things like that. And many of my friends died. So that was my life before... I was a Christian, and then one day, Jesus Christ came into my life. There was a day, and you know, it's crazy because we think about it. One day, I opened up my heart. One day, I just said, yes, Lord, I know I need you. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I know Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose again, and one day, Man, he came into my life. I made a decision to follow him. And boom, he set me free. And we're going to see what he does when an individual gives their life to Christ. And of course, as we're going to see today, it's all him. It's all him. What would have happened to me if I would have been drinking and then driving and then died? What would have happened to me? I would have gone to hell. I would have gone to hell and then I would have waited for the great white throne judgment. And I would have stood there in Revelation chapter 20 and I would have been cast into the lake of fire forever and ever. And I would have been there justifiably so. And it's important for us to understand this because now, you know, I look at my life and I'm thinking, Lord, that could have been me. I would have been there forever and ever and Lord, you save me. And what that does to, to us, for those of you who are Christians, is my prayer is that it really gives us just a, a life of absolute gratitude. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. And so we need to know this. Uh, this is kind of like, in one sense, anthropology. We need to know this about ourselves. And how do we know this? It's right here 
in Ephesians chapter 2, the way that we were before we were Christians. And so look what it says here in Ephesians chapter 2. It says in verse 1, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince, that's the devil, of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. Now, typically when we go through the Bible here, and I know uh, for us, uh, we like to cover a lot more ground, but today we're going to go a little deeper, just these three verses right here. We're going to see uh, a few things. Um, the, the big outline is, number one, we have to know that before we were Christians, we were dead. We were dead. Number two, we were defeated. We were defeated. And then number three, we were doomed. And so this is anthropology. This is humanity. This is us apart from Christ. We were dead, we were defeated, and we were doomed. Now, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and we're going to talk about what that is, and we were defeated by the world, the devil, and the flesh. And this is why it's kind of interesting. I'm just curious, did any of you guys here, were any of you here raised in the church? Where you, you know, you were just a kid and, you know, your parents maybe were Christians or somebody shared the gospel with you and you accepted the, 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 the Lord at a very young age. Is there anyone here who experienced that? Okay, some of you guys did. That's really cool, you know, because in one sense, maybe not always, but in one sense, maybe you were able, able to avoid some of this heartache, you know, because I know, like, for example, I think in a Dr. Duffield or, or maybe even I think Billy Graham, they accepted the Lord as a kid, just a child. And so not that they didn't have a sin nature when they were born, but they didn't have to go through a lot of these crazy things. They didn't walk in this the way that we did uh, 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 for the rest of us here. Most of you guys here, you got saved later, huh? Some, some of you guys... You were bad? Can you raise your... You, if you were bad, raise your hand. I used to do stuff, right? That was crazy, huh? And so you're going to be able to, to relate to this. But this is why, this is why it is so important. If you have children, if you have little ones, raise them up in the ways of the Lord from the young age. You know, I remember my kids accepting the Lord you know, as, as young as, you know, whatever, four years old or something like that. And they didn't have to go through all this crazy stuff, you know. But for the rest of us, this is this is kind of our story, huh? We have a, a checkered past. Um, uh, here it says, number one, and you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. I don't know if that hits you the way it hits me, but I, I think it's pretty significant. Think about that. I was dead. I was dead. And uh, God made me alive. Every once in a while, you hear the stories of individuals, whatever, they died physically and they came back and it, you know, after a certain amount of time. And it's pretty amazing. But this is for all of us, uh, that we were dead in our sins. Uh, it, it might seem a little strange, but we were like zombies. If you're not a Christian, 
If you're here today and you're, you're not a Christian, this is you. You're dead in your sins in one sense like a zombie, alive physically, but dead spiritually. No communion with God in a sinful state, separated from him. And I will also say this is kind of cool because the, the thing about it is that we're looking at our life and we're looking at maybe others' lives, but you got to also know that this is how God can save people. Even in this condition, it's God who does the work. You know, Warren Risby said, just as a person physically uh, dead does not respond to physical stimuli, so a person spiritually dead is unable to respond to spiritual things. A corpse does not hear the conversation going on in the funeral parlor. He has no appetite for food or drink. He feels no pain because he's dead. Just so with the inner man of the unsaved person, his spiritual faculties are not functioning and they cannot function until God gives him life. You know, we have a couple of people here that work at, uh, um, what's the name of that funeral place? Rose Hills, Rose Hills. And so if you were to go there and you could see the dead bodies, if you were to talk to the dead bodies, guess what? They wouldn't be able to hear you. <laughs> if you were to, you know, maybe, not that you would ever do it, but if you were to punch the dead body, it wouldn't feel it because it's dead. Right, you try to explain things to it, it wouldn't understand because it's dead. It has no desire for food, no desire for drink because it's dead. Well, that's the way it is for those who are spiritually dead. They can't hear, they can't understand, they can't feel that type of conviction. They just don't have that hunger or thirst for the things of God because they were dead. They're dead. I remember my BC days. You know, I read the whole Bible. I went to church uh, frequently, was raised in the church. Uh, people talked to me about God, but I couldn't really hear. I didn't really understand. And though, though I had some religion, I wasn't really hungering and thirsting for righteousness. I didn't have that because I was dead. And that's what happens when you're born as a human being and then you know you grow up and it manifests itself. Notice it says there in verse 1, you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and in sins. And so trespasses is when you cross the line. These are certain boundaries. We cross the line as rebels. Sins is when you miss the mark. And so our perfection, that's the bullseye. We, as sinners, we are not only rebels, we are failures. That was who I was. That's who we were prior to being a Christian. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. And there wasn't much really we could do about it. You know, how did it happen? How did we, you know, find this sin thing, this death thing? And I think you guys know the Lord had warned Adam back in Genesis 2, 16 and 17. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, surely you shall die. Literally in the Hebrew, it's dying you shall die. And so imagine that if you can, man, you've got all these trees and you're there in the garden 
And, you know, the Lord says, hey, Adam, Eve, eat anyone you want except the one in the middle. And what did they do? We know, according to the scriptures, they did not heed his warning. Eve was deceived by the devil. Adam went into it with eyes wide open. They ate the forbidden fruit. And this is why the world is broken. It's not God. We can't blame all these crazy things on God. We rebelled against him. We ate the one fruit we shouldn't eat. And then sin entered the world. And literally, it says right there, dying, you shall die. And so immediately when sin entered the world, because God is a holy, holy, holy God, there was a separation between man and God and dying, we shall die. And so now everyone who's born, they're born with that sin. We're born sinners. We sin because of that. We're dead in our transgressions. We're rebels and we're failures. That's who we are apart from Christ. Now, you might be here and you might be thinking, well, no, that's not me. I'm not that bad. You know what? Unless you humble yourself and acknowledge who you are apart from Christ, there's no hope for you. We have to acknowledge the fact that we are born in sin. We are part of the the Adam's family. We're descendants of Adam. We have uh, failed and we are rebels. It's important for us to understand that, that, You know, prior to Christ, apart from Christ, you're dead, you're dead, you're dead. And then the second thing we see here is we're we're defeated. We're defeated. I was worried about the Lakers for a second there. I thought, man, they might not win a game this year. But thankfully, you know, they went forward and they're kind of putting it together maybe a little bit. All I know is that imagine going through life and you, you know, you just, you know, you just can't win. You can't win. There's the drug. You're an addict. You can't change. Maybe you do good for a season, but then you go back to your vomit. There are some people who do that over and over and over again. You know, when the Lord came into my life, August 20th, 1999, after 10 years of drug use, by the grace of God, he gave me the power to never go back. You don't have to go back. You don't have to. See, when you're in that state, though, you are dead and you are defeated. And you're defeated by three enemies. And we see it here, the world, the devil, and the flesh. Notice what it says here in verse 2. In which you once walked according to the course of this world. You know, it's crazy, man, because sometimes people think, no, I'm free and I'm doing my thing and I... You know, there ain't nobody following anybody. Yes, you are. You're following the course of this world. You're not a leader. You're a follower. That, that's what we see right here. The, the walk is your life. And, and we walked according to the course of this world. And I thought it was interesting how Paul uses the word course. I was even thinking of our schools today, how in almost every school, in every grade, they're no longer teaching our children the Bible or the biblical worldview. They're teaching our kids the ways of this world. That's what they're teaching them. And when we you know, think about this, it just breaks our heart because there was a time, and you might think it's radical. Why would they teach our children the Bible in school? It doesn't belong in school. Well, it was there for close to 2,000 years. I mean, when you look at what the Lord has done and how Christianity started and then the founding of our nation. And from the very beginning, 1776, you go to church, you go to school. Because in school, there would be a Bible. 
But then we took it out in the 1950s. And so now you go to, to school, and like Jonathan was saying, man, some of the things that they're teaching our children, they're counseling our children, that they're being raised in the ways of the world. Now, I want to make sure when we talk about the world, we don't misunderstand it. We're not talking about the people. Now, the people of the world God loves. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And so God loves the world, but as far as the people go, but as far as the system that influences the people towards evil, that, that wants nothing to do with God or his word or his ways, that cares nothing about the fact that he is our creator who's given us his commandments. That's the fallen world. That's what Paul is talking about. And that's the way that we used to walk. That was me. Sex outside of marriage was fine. Drugs, drinking, parties, beer bongs, F-bombs, pride, lies, fights, my rights, self-confidence, self-righteousness, belief in evolution, just a little bit of religion, but not too much. And let me focus on what really matters. Save the whales, save the planet, kill the babies. And I have a dream, and this is my dream. It's a, it's a big house with a white picket fence, and the one who dies with the most toys wins. That's the American dream. That's the way of the world. That was us. That was me. Make as much money as you can, but it's all going to burn. The only thing that's going to last is what you do for the Lord. See, we have to be so careful in these things. You know, I was there. I once walked according to this world. I was dead in my sins, defeated by the world system, and then secondly, defeated by the devil. Notice again what it says there. In verse 2, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. You know, that's how I used to walk. If you can visualize like a puppet, you know, I was on a string. I was on Satan's strings, and he was telling me where to go, and he was telling me what to do, and he was telling me what to say, and he was telling me what to think. Now, right here, it's the prince of the power of the air. Now, some people, I remember when radio first came out, there were actually some who thought that was uh, evil. They thought radio was evil because, like, the devil's the prince of the power of the air. But that's not what it's talking about here. You know, there's this realm, there's this invisible realm that we can't see. And in the world that has been, unfortunately, given to Satan in one sense, you know, even though the, the Lord won on the cross, he has not yet possessed his possession, Satan is still here ruling to a certain extent. Um, what we find is in this realm, there are demons here. We can't see them, but they're here and they're trying and they're lying. And that's where the enemy is, and that's how many people will walk, unfortunately. You know, it's not just the devil. He has his host of demons to help him do his dirty work. And so think about it. Defeated by the world, defeated by the devil, and you put them two together, and what do you get? First John 5.19, which says, We know that we are of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. And that's the world that we live in today. And that's why you have to be so careful, you guys. Be so careful. I definitely don't want to be a legalistic person because all of you here, 
You have to be led by the Lord and the Holy Spirit and the convictions he will give to you. But, you know, um, you know, some of these guys, what they're tweeting, uh, what the things that they're posting, uh, you know, these a- professional athletes or Hollywood celebrities, and you got so many people following them. I mean, where in the, when, when did they ever, you know, have the corner on truth and morals and values and what's best for us? How, do, how come we're following them? How come we're being framed by what's going on in our educational system or even some of our, you know, Ivy League schools? Why, why are we following them? You know, we see the media, we see the music, we see the, the movies, and there's an agenda. There's an agenda. And so we have to be so careful in this that we got to know that the world that we live in, it lies under the sway of the devil. And that's what the Bible says in 1 John five nineteen. And so you know what we should do, you guys? We should start our own community. We should become monks, right? No, I'm just joking. Absolutely not. Now, that's the wrong, that's the wrong reaction. You got some Christians over church history, and they had said, okay, then I'm out of here. Absolutely not. You know, the other day, my wife and I were blessed. We went to Idaho, and we had a boat ride there. And it was kind of cool. The pastor from the church, he, he breaks out his boat. Beautiful lake, beautiful mountains, view, trees. I mean, it's just awesome, man. And we had such a great time. There's something about being out in creation, right? And so I was reminded of what Jesus said. He said, you know, it's okay for the, the boat to be in the water, it's just not okay for too much water to be in the boat because if there's too much water in the boat, what's going to happen to the boat? It's going to sink, right? And so for us, it's okay to be in the world, but we can't be of the world. That's the way we used to be. God brought us out of that. This is why Paul wrote to the Christians in Rome in Romans 12, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. Everything you hear, tested by Scripture, This is why John wrote to the church in 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And we get attracted to the bling. We get attracted to to the things that are trending. Well, the, the world says this is like the way you're supposed to dress. And the world says this is what, you know, you're supposed to buy. And You know, next thing you know, we're just following them. We're loving everything they throw in front of us. And we have to make sure that we're not conformed to this world, that we don't love this world. I was thinking about that guy in the Bible who left the ministry and who maybe even left the Lord. His name was Demas, and Paul wrote about him in 2 Timothy 4.10. Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. You know, don't. Be conformed, you guys. You're different. You're Christians. You're strong. Don't be conformed, man. Whatever you do, don't love the world. Love the people. Love all the people. But the things they tell you to love, no, don't love the world. And James even says in James 1.27, and and keep yourself unspotted from the world. Don't be polluted or stained or corrupted or blemished. We have to be careful, you guys, because this world that we live in, was that's where we came out of. See, without Christ, before Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and we were defeated by the world and, and, and by the devil. And that's the way we used to walk, right? We used to live that way. We used to live that way, right? 
It should be different now. You know, one guy, David Guzik, he said, once walk, it means that we should be different for those who are made alive by Jesus Christ. A dead man feels comfortable in his coffin, right? A dead man's cool. He's in his coffin. He feels comfortable. But if he were to be made alive again, he would instantly feel suffocated and uncomfortable. There would be a strong urge to escape the coffin and leave it behind. And in the same way, when we were spiritually dead, we were comfortable in trespasses and sins. But having come to a new life, we feel we must escape that coffin and leave it behind. You see, we are in this, this place now. And my, my prayer is that if you're a Christian, that you would look at this and, and you would remember what God has brought you from. And then that would just help us to live a life of, of passionate gratitude. Gratitude. Look what you've done for me, Lord. You made me alive. I was once dead as a doornail, slippery slope, without hope, headed for hell, then the lake of fire. That was me. There was nothing I could do about it, but you chose me. You saved me. He said, we were dead in our trespasses and sin. We went to once walked according to the course of this world, according to the, the prince of the power of the air, who uh, the, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. And that's an interesting phrase right here, because when you, when you think about the sons of disobedience, you're, you're like, wow, what's that all about? And what we find is that at one time, without Christ or before Christ, before we became children of God, we were in one sense children of the devil. And you're like, no, man, you didn't say that, did you? Yeah, you don't believe it? You think you're better than that? You think that, what, that the Bible's not true? You were sons, daughters of disobedience. That's who I was. I know that for, for sure. You know, there's two things that the devil does. He lies and he hates. And that's why he murders. John 8:44. Let me ask you guys a question. Did you ever have did you ever lie? Now if you say you didn't, you're a liar. You're lying. <laughs> right? We've all lied. And and so lies are the language of Lucifer. Lies are the dialect of the devil. That just goes to show whose we were. And, you know, we hate. And, and Jesus said, unfortunately, because we all go through it, probably we've had struggles in the past. Some of you guys are a little bit more loving. Some of you guys are a little softer. But for most of us here, you know, we had those people that really just drove us crazy. And, you know, we hated them. And the Bible says in John 8, 44, that, that you know, that, that's the, the conduct of the devil, that he is a murderer. And that's why today we're living in a culture of death. That's why, again, not to you know, put anybody down or try to condemn you, but that's why so many babies are dying. That's why so many people are committing suicide. It's a culture of death. The devil is a murderer, and he puts those thoughts in people's life and minds that they don't have anything to live for. You know, and we were children of 
the devil. Jesus told the Pharisees this in John 8, 44. That was me. I was part of that family, murderers, liars, vipers. As a matter of fact, Jesus called the people vipers three times. And that's a, a snake. It's not a car, just in case you're wondering. Matthew 3, 7, Matthew 12, 34, Matthew 23, 33. You're a viper. You're a viper. You're a viper. You're a brood of vipers. You're a breed of vipers. You're descendants of snakes. That's who I was. That's who I was apart from Christ. Dead in my sins, defeated by the world, the devil, and the flesh. And that's what we read right here. Look at verse 3. Among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And it's really good. You guys know how it is. Some of you guys play sports, you know? And you know how important it is to know your enemy, huh? To know the way that they operate. And so when you're living in the world, let's just say you're driving down the freeway and you see a big billboard of, and it's an advertisement for Bacardi. It's an advertisement for vodka or something like that. In one sense, that's the world with their presentation. Okay, so you're driving by that billboard and they make it look pretty good because they got all the girls all around the guy who's drinking. They make it look pretty good. And next thing you know, you hear a voice in your head. It's a voice in your head that says, you should, you should get a drink and maybe it'll help you relax or maybe it'll drown out your sorrows or maybe it'll numb the pain. So you get the world with its presentation. You get the devil who's speaking to you with his temptation. And then it's something within you. Sometimes it's even an addiction, but your, your body, your body wants it too. Yeah. You know, and then there's this inclination for evil. And, and what we find is that was, that was a story of my life. That was a story of my life. Dead and defeated by the world the devil, and the flesh. I was dead in my sins on that slide, slippery slope, without hope, headed for hell, and then the lake of fire. That's who I was. Because the next thing he says right there, notice we read in verse 3, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. You know, when you look at your body, your body is not bad, right? Your body can be used for good, right? These hands can be used to feed the poor. These hands can be used to help people. Man, this, these lips, you know, this heart, this life can be used to speak truth and the gospel and you name it. It can be an instrument of righteousness, but it can also be an instrument of unrighteousness. And what you find is that prior to being a Christian, because we are trichotomy, body, soul, and spirit. You've got to know who you are. We're made up of three parts, the body, the soul, and the spirit. Now, before you're a Christian, the spirit is dead. And so there's a body, and there's a soul. And if you die like that, your soul goes to hell and then the lake of fire. So you've got the body and the soul, and the spirit is dead. But when you become a Christian, it gets inverted, and that spirit becomes alive, 
And prayerfully, that spirit then dominates. Because prior to that, you were dominated by your body, your fallen nature. But now when you become a Christian, prayerfully, you're dominated by that spiritual man. That spiritual man that comes alive the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see, this is what he says. This is the way we once conducted ourselves. And it's interesting how he says, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Now, the mind is a trip. The mind, man, you can go anywhere in your mind, huh? You know, and and if you can actually put on the mind of Christ, if you can bring every thought into captivity, it's a different life. But prior to being a Christian, oh man, that's where everything started. You get an idea, hey, let's go and do this. You know, you name it. You know, me and my friends breaking into this place, getting arrested by the police. That happened to me. Where did that come from? Some crazy idea that I had. Right. And so, you know, you name it. I mean, the things that I did before I was a Christian, not that I was as bad as some of you guys, but as far as the nature, yes, the things I did, I don't know. I don't know. Did you guys ever shoplift? Did you guys ever rob? Did you guys ever break into houses? Did you ever break into schools? I mean, you name it. I mean, we've done it. You've done it. This was us apart from Christ. We were dead, defeated, and we were doomed. And a lot of times things start in our mind. You know, they say that if you sow a thought, you can reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. Sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. How did it all start? It started with the mind, right? And then the mind, you can actually focus and dwell on things that are horrible. And that's why you have to bring every thought into captivity. I fear God because I know he can read my mind. That's why I don't dwell on things that are bad. I, I don't dwell. Some guys, they're having an affair with a girl in their mind. Because for whatever reason, they think God can't see their thoughts. Oh, man, yes, he can. He can see your heart. You're naked before him. He sees everything. And that's why, you know, Spurgeon said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep it from making a nest. And so, yeah, you might get some crazy thought. Just get rid of it. Just give it to God. But don't dwell on it. Because what we see right here is that's the way we were. We were conducting ourselves in, in, the, in the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And he says, and we're by nature children of wrath. And so like I said, you know, you're looking back on your life and I'm not trying to put you guys down or anything. I'm just trying to tell you what the Bible says of who we are apart from Christ, who we were apart from Christ, that we were dead, we were defeated, and we were doomed. It says right here that, you know, they're they're children of wrath. And so what that means is this is not just, you know, the wrath of man or the wrath of angels. This is This is the wrath of God. Ephesians 5, 6 says that no one deceive you with empty words for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Maybe you're here today and you're one of those types of people who say, I can't believe in a God who would send someone to hell. There are some people who have that, that, that thought. 
uh, I can't believe in a God who would send someone to hell. Well, number one, let me just get this straight. You are not God. You aren't God. You don't make the rules. I told you guys I tried to get out of this ticket that I got from Newport Beach, and they just would not let me slide. And I didn't like it, and I fought it. And I mean, I think the next step would probably have been a police officer at my door, you know, to arrest me because that's the law. See, what ends up happening, you guys, is that we don't realize that our sin is not just against, you know, the the local government. It's not a civil offense. It's not a federal offense. So it's, you know, against our nation. It's not a a global offense against our world. It's it's, It's an offense against God. And therefore, that sin deserves, uh, not, it's an, an eternal God with an eternal punishment. That's why Jesus Christ had to come down and die for our sins on the cross. That's why it couldn't be an angel. It couldn't be some other created being. It couldn't be the, the gold of the universe. It had to be God the Son dying for our sins. And therefore, if you're here and you've accepted the Lord, you don't have anything to be concerned with because his blood washes away your sins. But I can't water it down. Right here it says that we were by nature children of wrath. And that wrath is in reference to the double death in which when an individual dies apart from Christ, they go to the holding tank called hell and then they wait the great white throne judgment where they will then be separated from God, suffering in the lake of fire forever and ever. And that could have been us. That could have been me. That could have been you. But you guys, look at what God has done. And I trip out um, on my life. I, I just think, Lord, man, how many times I could have died in my sins, but Lord, you spared me. And so, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for that. And if you're a Christian here today, um, man, I pray that as we're looking at this, you just remember you don't relish or relive, but you remember the past and you take it to heart what God has done for you. Okay, so today it's kind of cool. We get to have communion together. And so let me pray with you. Lord, I I thank you for loving us. I thank you for just, uh, Lord, Someone like me, who doesn't deserve anything, Lord, you came in and you blessed and you saved and you've been so gracious. And so I pray as we have communion today that your people would just be able to appreciate, worship, and just contemplate what you've done for us as Christians. So we do love you, Lord. We thank you. And we pray you bless this time. In Jesus' name. Amen. And we're going to partake of communion together. And so um, we'll worship. And after we're done with this song, uh, we'll, uh, we'll partake of communion. But if you're here and you're maybe you've never really received the Lord uh, as your Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity right here, right now to just say, Jesus, come into my life. I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. And Jesus, today I choose to follow you. And maybe you backslidden. Maybe you went far away and you're thinking, well, no, I can't have communion, man, because I don't have it all together. This is your chance. It's not, you know, you take one step and God will take the other 99 steps. Will you come to him today? You admit, you know, I, I, I've sinned and Lord, I want to come back. 
and God will meet you there today. You can do that in your heart, okay? So we're going to sing a song, and then we'll partake of communion.